This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. We have a great episode for you. I'm going to give you three things that you need to be doing to end 2020 right. We're going to talk cold start. Think about all the fun little toys you want to have in your office. You'll get them someday. A little office talk. We're going to break down myopia management, glaucoma, scleral lenses. Then we have our closing thought of the day. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, my friends, this is the ultimate OD podcast. Just a little housekeeping stuff for you. This week is the 11th. Next week will be the 18th. And then we have the week of Christmas. So much like Thanksgiving, we'll have a shorter abbreviated Uh, podcast on Christmas week. Just know that we will have the same content, same stuff coming afterwards. If you want to listen to that one, we'll still try to give you something. It just won't be quite as long. I can't believe we're on week 22. Things have been moving fast. I don't know if you guys are aware we have a Twitter page. We have a Facebook page. We have Instagram. Follow us on that. We are putting out blogs of the podcast you want us to continue those? If not, let us know. If you don't respond, it probably means you're not reading the blogs is my thought. But we're uh, we're going to just try to make the next year just as productive as this year, but hopefully grow on uh, the success that we've had the past 22 episodes. So that brings us to this, this episode, and it's the end of the year. So I want to give you three things I think every office should be doing to close out the year. And the number one most important thing is limit taxes, okay? So let me give you a little bit of a tax breakdown. Realize I'm not an accountant. I'm not a lawyer. You need to talk to your accountant, talk to your lawyers, figure this out for yourselves. But this is stuff that I've learned along the way that I think will help you as well. So with the way the IRS works, when you're an independent private practice owner, you're self-employed, you have to pay quarterly estimates. You don't do regular payroll Uh, the W-2 income, right? So that being said, the IRS expects you to pay quarterly estimates. Your estimates have to be within 90% of what you actually take in. Otherwise, you pay a penalty. So even if you're in good faith, you're doing it, if you have a really good year and you don't anticipate that and you're not making the right quarterly estimates, you're going to get a fine. Even if you do it on time just because you weren't giving enough. So make sure you're looking into that. So what your accountant will usually have you do is you pay 110% of what the previous year was. If you do that, no matter if you have a good year, bad year, you're not going to get fined. Okay. So a lot of the times, if you have a really good year, the year before your quarterly estimates are going to be incredibly high, 110% of what the previous year was. That can hurt cash flow. That can limit what you can do. So you want to make sure that you are efficient with how you spend your money towards the end of the year. If you're lucky enough to be in a position of surplus, I'm in that position right now. I've been in it the past three, five, pretty much every year that we've we've closed. So thankfully, I'm in a growth phase. If you're growing, this is what you need to consider. Another part of the tax code is section 179. If you're not familiar with that, talk to your accountant, but I'm going to give you a brief breakdown. And essentially what that means, what it's been modified to is any purchase that you make for the office, it has to be a piece of equipment or something you use before the end of the year can be fully deducted for that year that you're in. So for 2020, at the end of the year, 
I'm buying an OCT. So say the OCT costs $25,000. If I didn't get the OCT this year, that $25,000 would be subject to tax. So about 30% of that's gone. If you do math in your head, hard to do on the fly. So your $25,000 is now reduced by $7,500 and you buy the OCT. So you've lost money. Where if I buy it now, I get the full, I save myself that $7,500. I feel like I get that OCT on a discount. You can do that for any piece of equipment that you're going to use. So I like to do that. Another thing that I like to do, talk to your contact lens distributor. If you use WVA, if you use ABB, see if they'll let you do a lens bank. The beauty of a contact lens bank is you pay for it now, you get that deduction, and then you're going to buy all those contacts regardless. Anyways, you're saving money. With WVA, I bought a $15,000 lens bank. Not only am I getting that money to use now, no tax is not subject to tax, but I'm also locking in my prices for 2021. So, you know, in January, all the contact lens vendors are going to raise their prices. I'm getting more bang for my buck and I'm saving on taxes. So try and talk to your vendors, see if you can get a break on pricing, get that bank. When I used to just buy direct from Cooper, they wouldn't let me get a lens bank, but they'd make me specifically buy the contacts and store them in my office. The crappy thing about that is I'd sell all my minus fours. I would sell all my minus fives, but I have the 450s or the 475s that I could never get rid of. And I'm sitting on inventory. I paid for it. I got a discount, but I'm still sitting on the inventory. With the lens bank, you buy it, you have that money sitting there, and then as you spend down, it's going to go away. So it's much more efficient, and you're not having to store inventory. The last thing I did this year was I'm prepaying all my rent for 2021. I know that I'm going to pay rent, right? It's going to happen. So I talked to my landlord. I'm like, hey, I want to pay this up front. Is there anything I need to do? They'll give you some tips if they want it sent a certain way, if they want you to break it down or you know, just talk to them, but prepay your rent. You're going to pay that regardless. Now, again, realize cash is king. If you guys are tight on cash, if you've been hit by the pandemic, if you've been locked down, this is not for you. But if you've had a good year, if you've been very fortunate, remember, you want to get as much cash spent that's already going to be spent. So buy that equipment, get that contact lens bank, prepay your rent, save for 2021. Okay, so you've taken care of taxes. The next thing you need to do is look at your budget for 2021. Now, I'm big at looking at my budget on a month-to-month basis. Again, you don't want to get lost in the trees. You need to see the forest. But again, if you set the budget now, then you know where you're supposed to be as you move along next year. A saying that we've talked about before on this podcast is the grass you water is the grass that grows. So if you're not paying attention to this stuff, you're never going to improve it. You're never going to get better. And who knows where you're losing money. When private equity looks at a practice, they'll look at one, two, maybe three things, see where you're at, and then they'll see if they can make it more efficient or if you guys are lean and mean and is there value to your practice. The things I like to look at, the two main ones are your cost of goods sold and your payroll. I like my cost of goods sold to always be 30% or less of my gross revenue and my payroll to be 25% or less of my gross revenue. Now realize when I'm talking about payroll, that's for your non-doctor staff. Doctors are a whole different world. If you're paying yourself W-2 income, don't factor that in. Take that out. Just look at your staff. Another thing I like to use as a barometer is about 150K gross revenue for every staff member. So use those things to kind of base your budget. 
And then you have to look at your miscellaneous expenses. That's your internet, your printer costs. Are you paying for a coffee service? What are you doing where you can get lean and mean if you're not having an efficient office, if you're not having the net income that you're looking for? So look at those things, sit down, really look at the numbers, crunch the numbers, see where you're at, try to project where you think 2021 is going to be, and then you can always adjust along the way. Those are the benchmarks I like to use. All right, so we've limited taxes. We've talked budget for 2021. Now you need to set your growth areas. All right, this is huge. This is good because this will give you juice. This will give you energy. This is why you do what you do. What do you want to get better at? Is it the optical sales? Do you want your staff to grow? Do you want to get into sclerals, myopia management, glaucoma? You have to figure out where you're going. If you are a rudderless ship, you're not going to get anywhere. I love always looking towards the future. It's so easy right now to be complacent, to think, hey, I'm open. I have a lot of things going on around me. The people that forge ahead, the people that push are the people that are going to be better next year and five, 10 years down the road. You got to keep pushing. Never let your circumstances dictate who you are, what you are as an office. Now I get there's things you can't control, but you can control where you want to go, how much time, effort, and energy you put into learning about these new things. And that's on you. It doesn't have to have be coming to fruition necessarily first quarter, second quarter, but the things you put your time and energy towards are the things that you're going to do in your office. So sit down, take a look at yourself, take a look at your practice. Where do you want to grow in 2021? Think about it really hard. And then those are the areas that you got to set a plan for that you're going to learn about. Are you going to take a lot of CE? Are you going to go to conferences? Everything you want to do, whether it's glaucoma, especially contact lenses, myopia management, you name it. There's conferences all over the place, neuro optometry, where they have literally just conferences for your niche. Find out where they're at, connect with those people and push yourself to be better. This is the time to be better than everyone else because the majority of the people around you are worried. They're scared. They're afraid. They're not trying to grow and get better, right? And you can't blame them. But the people that forge ahead are going to be the people that you look at and say, I want to be them. How do they do this? And the answer is they were never afraid. They planned for it and they made it happen. So save as much money as you can for taxes, set a budget and set your goals now to grow. It's just what we do at the end of the year, every year, make this part of your yearly strategy and you're going to be better for it. The Ultimate OD, this has been The Rundown. All right, my friends, this is the cold start segment where we look at where we were, see where we're at, and are thankful for how far we've come. Now, I don't know if I have a lot to give you in terms of actual X's and O's, but I have two stories I want to share with you I was thinking about, and I think it will give you perspective of what it's like to start. The first one is when we're at ICO, when you're in optometry school, you name the test, whether it's OCT, pachymetry, topography, you name it, you can do it. You have access to everything. Every clinic I went to had all the fun goods. You could just order a test, right? And then you start cold and you have to buy all this stuff. And you know what? It's so much to get started because you have to buy computers, which are never cheap and they always go bad. You have to buy phones. Who would have thought about that? Not the fun phones that are smart and you can play games on, but actual phones for your office. 
that have waiting lines, line two, line three, that suck, right? But you got to buy them. You got to have those. You got to buy frames. You're going to have about fifteen to $30,000 in inventory just sitting there staring at the face. Things you could have bought a lot of really cool cars with or paid off some student loans, but you're investing in your office. You have to go through and realize that you have to do all that stuff and all those fun toys you just don't really get to do. So from my perspective, I started the office, I got a retinal camera. I thought that was a good way to wow my patients. I didn't have OCT, I didn't have a topographer, I didn't have pachymetry, and I kind of just made it work. So my glaucoma patients, I used to refer out to get visual fields, had them send it back. It was a big hassle. I ended up just referring out those patients. And then you go to conferences and they tell you, oh, make sure you're a doctor of optometry. If you're not doing full scope, you're not really a doctor. You're setting the profession back. And I'd look at them and be like, yeah, you know, it's really easy to say when you're not footing the bill. How many of you have actually started a practice and are doing this on your own? So a little bit of animosity out of my end, but guess what? I'll tell you this 10 years down the road, you're going to get the toys. We just talked about section 179 in the tax code. You'll start realizing that you're making money. It's a really cool feeling. And when you make money, you realize you want to keep some of it and you want to grow the office. So it's like Christmas literally for you at the end of every year where you buy yourself an OCT, a topographer, you name the new equipment you want a new auto refractor, a new digital ferropter, you get to buy all the goodies, set your office apart, and it's tax deductible. Amazing, right? Well, something I will tell you that I'm realizing at year 10 that I wish that I would have realized at about year three, four, five. One, don't lease your equipment. Save up, pay cash. Because when you lease the equipment, you're a slave to the machine, you're cash poor, and it's overhead where if a pandemic hits, you really aren't, you're going to get hit. Thankfully, that didn't happen when I was leasing the Optimap, which was a horrible investment. But if I would have been doing that now, it would have felt really uncomfortable, would have made me not real confident in my budget. So don't lease it, but realize you can get refurbished. You can get used. You don't have to get the newest model. When I go to conferences and I'd ask about the OCTs and they'd be 50, 60K, I was like, I'm never going to have that much cash on hand to buy. But guess what? 10 years down the road, I've got more connections. I've talked to more reps and my OCT that I'm going to get is $22,000. It has the most up-to-date software. It's not the newest, latest, greatest, but guess what? It's cheap. You can get in. You can get those toys. Topographers, not as expensive as you think, and there's different levels to them. You don't have to have the best. You can build, grow your practice, justify the cost, and then move forward. So, Know that you're going to have all those things. Don't get so far behind because you're not doing the work that you forget how to treat glaucoma, how to evaluate a visual field, how to read an OCT. You're going to do it. Just make sure you stay up on these things. It's really hard to go to a conference and listen about a glaucoma lecture when you're one, you're not seeing that in your office. And two, you don't have the tools to test it. But trust me, you'll thank me for staying on top of it. So that's a one motivational thing if you have it. The next thing I will tell you is when I first started off, a great idea I had to save money was instead of having office phone where I had to pay my phone company, I was going to do that. I think it was called Uma. I don't know. It's the one where it's a internet-based phone company. 
So you don't really have a phone line. They call uh, your number. It goes to 1-800 number. Well, whenever I would call out to call a patient, it showed up as a 1-800 number. I couldn't get a single patient to answer any of my phone calls. So I said, hey, we have to actually get a phone line in here. The phone company's not quick. Again, there's a reason that they're going obsolete. But I had about two weeks where I didn't have phone lines and I was operating off my cell phone. Yes, my cell phone. So when they'd call the office and go to my cell phone, my staff was literally answering my cell phone and that's how to make appointments. They, I'd get a text message and they'd try not to look at it, but it was impossible not to read. It was a gong show. But I'll tell you this, I still saw patients. We still made money and look at me now. We're growing, we're bigger and better than ever. So don't sweat the small stuff. You're going to feel stupid. You're going to feel like, Man, am I really a doctor? The answer is yes, you're a doctor. You got that the moment you graduated. You may not have all the fancy toys and bells and whistles that all your friends had that you had in training, but know what? You're doing it. And realize that the investment you're making now will pay dividends in 10 years. So that's just a little craziness. I hope you hear this, you're going through it, and you know you're not alone. You're going to be better for it. Cold start. Thank goodness for how far we've come. All right, friends, a little office talk. I've been in a reflective state this past month because it's the end of the year and that's what we do. So let's break this down to the three things that I think are really on my mind. The first is myopia management. Now, I've been jacked up the past year about myopia management. I've learned so much. I have a plan. It's going really well, but I'll tell you this right now. It is tough. Myopia management is literally you being Christopher Columbus coming to the new world and you have to make a path, right? There's a lot of pricker bushes, there's thorns, you're going to get beat up and you're going to get a lot of pushback. For every one patient that says yes, I think you'll have about three to four that say no. And they're going to look at you like you're crazy because no one knows what myopia is. No one's ever heard of axial length or a growing eye and disease and treating it and slowing progression of growth. But guess what? We're doing a good thing. It is going to be there in 10 years. I promise you, just like scleral started off, myopia management is going to be at the same level. The thing that we're fighting right now is, one, awareness. Two, insurances don't really recognize it and they have to pay cash. It's really tough to get a parent to buy in. Now, granted, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it might be tainting the their opinions a little bit. But I'll tell you this right now, it's not easy. It's still worthwhile. I'm still going after it, but I'm trying to construct my my plan. The global fee, I think, is the way to go if you're just starting out because it encompasses everything. I am going to try with some of my patients trying to itemize it out. The reason for that is I find that if I can lower the barriers, let the patient know that the overall cost isn't as much and I can kind of break down the cost like you can pay quarterly or you can pay every six months. So it's not the big lump sum. My theory is I might get more yeses. If I can let them know that for certain materials like the lenses or whatnot, they can use their vision insurance, even if it's $130 from VSP, the fact that I say insurance covers some of it will be more inclusive to these patients. So I'm gonna toy with that in 2021 and see if I wanna stick with a global fee or if breaking it down and being itemized gets me more yeses. Again, food for thought, 
I just want to maximize this to the best I possibly can be. I'm in the long game with uh, with myopia management, so I'm trying to be where I need to be in five years from now. I'm not afraid to play with things, adjust, and go. Now, if you're doing this, if you're in the same position, realize that you might have five patients on the old plan where it's a global fee, five patients on the new plan where it's itemized out. Just keep good records and make sure you're not hugely night and day different in cost because if they talk to each other, it could just be a bad look for you. So I'm, I'm doing it in such a way that the overall cost, roughly the same, just how they actually pay it, going to be a little different. The next thing is, as you heard in the previous segments, I'm buying an OCT. Section 179, doing me well this year. I'm pumped up. Now I'll be able to see my glaucoma suspects, my glaucoma patients, my ocular hypertensives. So I'm going to put a lot of time, effort, and energy to seeing those patients, but now I got to set a protocol. In my schedule, I have things built in for red eyes, contact lens checks, myopia management, but I don't have a lot of IOP checks. I don't have a lot of glaucoma evaluations. So step one, I'm going to have the my office meeting this month educating my staff on what glaucoma is, what a visual field does, what OCT does, and then talk to them about the tests that they're going to be doing, what a glaucoma evaluation looks like. I'm going to get them all on board, and then we're going to hit the ground running in 2021. I'm really excited. My staff's going to hopefully be on board and ready to grow with this, trying to make it seem like there's a sense of urgency, like we're saving vision. The baby boomers are growing. This is going to keep us busy and ahead of the rest of the competition. Find a way to sell it to them to get office buy-in, but that's how I'm approaching glaucoma in 2021. The last thing I'm going to talk to you about, and this is probably the aspect of my office that I'm most excited about going forward, and that's scleral lenses. Last year, I was gung-ho about sclerals. I went to the Academy meeting, I think in San Antonio. I went to a couple meetings. I think it was San Antonio, and I went to a workshop where we were talking about sclerals, and it was a crap show, all right? They had about 60 people there, all at varying levels. When you have so many people there, everyone's asking crazy questions. They try to give brief overviews. I got a whole lot of nothing. We spent the time trying to put the lenses on our eyes, and that was a gong show. And then once you had on your eye, you had to evaluate another patient with a lens on your eye. It was just ridiculously hard, not conducive to me learning and bringing it to my office, but it was a baby step, right? I knew how to put it on. I learned uh, enough that I felt like I made progress. Come the end of the year, Art Optical put on a, call it a dinner meeting, where we went to Art Optical and they taught us about the ampli lens. We had patients of our from our own practice. We brought them and we fit them and evaluated them. It was really kind of good but I really think in those group settings, it's so tough. Have you ever said it? Someone has a slit lamp. We all are, oh, I don't, where do you move the light? How do you adjust the lights? How do you see, right? And we get caught up in the little, little small stuff and we're not really paying attention to lens. Throw on a camera and have everyone else watch you evaluate a lens and everyone's self-conscious. No one wants to look stupid. They're not going to ask the questions they'd ask if they're in private And it just wasn't the experience I wanted. I felt better from academy to there that I was good. Well, fit my first patient in a scleral and it didn't go really well. And looking back now, there's a lot of things that I was taught that just weren't right. It wasn't good. So let's fast forward to this year. I've joined the CLIP program, C-L-I-P from Valley Contacts. If you are interested in sclerals, please sign up, join this. 
Dr. Addie Bauer is amazing. I know her from undergrad. We both went to Saginaw Valley. She went to Ferris, did her contact lens residency there. She's a fellow. She is good at what she does. She was at the Rear Eye Center, probably the best corneal center in Grand Rapids in Michigan, in my opinion, except from for the Kellogg Eye Center in U of M, but privately owned, they're the best. And she was fitting four or five new scleral fits a week, right? She was seeing a ton of scleral patients and she left there to work for Valley designing lenses, but she will literally come to your office, fit patients with you, walk you through step-by-step how to do everything. Train your staff, answer your questions, and she's going to come to my follow-up visits. We fit three patients, and it was so easy. What I learned previously was people trying to make something really not that difficult very hard. Now, again, it's going to be a little more difficult when you're actually evaluating a fit of a patient that has a lens, but the fitting process, the insertion and removal process is not that difficult. What I was told and how I was taught I'm just angry about it. It couldn't be so much easier. So sign up for this. I did. I'm pumped up. I ordered three patients' lenses. I'm going to hit scleral so hard. A great opportunity to grow. You can fit it into your normal busy office schedule and still be profitable. There's a huge need for it. So myopia management, I'm going to keep forging ahead with that. We're going to see glaucoma patients and we're going to do a bunch of sclerals. Listen to the journey as we go. 2021, my office is going to grow. I hope yours will too. Where or where did all this time go? We're to the closing thought of the episode and we're going to end with this loss aversion. All right. I've asked you to take a step back, look at the forest, look at your office as a whole and try to predict where you're going to be in 2021, which is a crapshoot always, but even more considering 2020 was not the year of the optometrist. That being said, I need you to know this principle of loss aversion, and it comes from behavioral economics. Essentially, it means that investors will focus more on avoiding losses than getting gains. And this applies to everything that we do in life, especially us as optometrists. We too often buy a piece of equipment, have a patient come in or hire a staff member and instead of just cutting bait, moving on and being better for it, we will beat our heads up against the wall because we're bound and determined to make this work. So I want you to take heed, take inventory, look at 2020. I know it's a crazy year, but look at the things that you did. What did you think you were going to be big in? What did you think you were going to grow that was going to be profitable for you that just didn't pan out? Who did you hire? Who have you put time, effort, and energy into and they're just not getting it? This is the time where you guys have to be entrepreneurs, you have to be CEOs, and you have to do what's right for the business, okay? Sometimes that means not having legacy hires, not just giving someone a raise because it's the end of the year and hey, they didn't quit. We're going to give them more money. Be efficient in what you're doing. I promise you that there's one, two, maybe three things that are associated with your office that doesn't need to happen in 2021. Find out what they are, make the changes, find a way to make gains. Don't be worried about losses. The more we prolong the losses, the worse it's going to be. Cut the fat, move on, make 2021 your year. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Dr. Lily out.
We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.